Oh, what fresh hell is this? This is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. Yeah, I went to Walmart. Seriously, there was not a loaf of bread to be found. There was not a bottle of water to be found. Uh, the people just went nuts. Like It was like a snowstorm. Yeah, we had friends that came up from Fort Lauderdale to hang out here until it was safe to go back. Mm-hmm. Where are you at, Alan? Atlanta. Oh, okay. I didn't, know, I didn't know it hit Georgia that bad. Eh, it's... You know, again, we've, you know, the county I'm in, it, things were fine. Um, some counties have just really piss poor infrastructure, you know, and somebody farts and they lose power. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to go at this a few few men down here, but we'll survive. This is the Cigar Tipsters podcast. We are recording this on September 17th. Uh, junior Alan the Cigar Savant, and uh, for the third time in his life, uh, Kurt Chalmers is again a father. And uh, what was his name? Sebastian Xavier. What, what was it? Uh, that was that was the second up. We actually went with oh. uh, with uh, Theodore. Okay, yeah, I was really upset. You know, I suggested Sebastian Xavier, and I'm really upset that you guys went against my wishes, but. I'll save it for when I have a child. You know how it goes. I mean, I fought my best with uh, the misses, but she uh, she won that one. So maybe the maybe yeah, the fourth maybe the fourth kid. Uh, yeah, at some point we're a little behind on this, but we got to get you an "It's a Boy" cigar, or at least a <laughs> or at least an "It's a Boy" label that we can wrap around a good cigar. Hey, I, I won't say no to any any cigar, whether it's a "It's a Boy" or better. Well, Kirk, congratulations for Theodore. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, the uh, what's that? Two boys and a girl now. Yep, two two boys and a girl. All right. Uh, you... And their ages? Uh, my oldest is eight. My my daughter is is five, and and Theodore was just born uh, ten days ago. Excellent. That makes me feel old because they were so little when you guys were still living here. <laughs> it has been a while. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, God. Yeah, there was some song that came on at work today, and I'm like, God, that came out when I was in junior high. I was like, oh, depressing. But anyway, uh, what are you fellas, uh, Kirk, what are you smoking tonight? I've got the uh, E.P. Carrillo cabinet. It's uh, I've got the little short one. I forget what they call it. Probably like a Robusto Ground or something like that. But it's a four and a half inch by 46 ring gauge. And I love them because they're about a 45-minute to an hour cigar. And uh, you know that I love everything E.P. Carrillo. So. Yeah, he's... Uh, the man uh, does make an excellent cigar. Yeah, I was just thinking uh, earlier today that I was... I was I had on my brain the E.P. Carrillo Inch. Uh, mm-hmm. Specifically the natural one. I, I've got to hunt down a few of those somewhere because uh, I've had that one on my mind for a few days. Yeah, it's funny because you're right. I don't think either you nor I enjoy the 6x60s typically, and certainly not a 6x64. But uh, E.P. Carrillo, I mean, 
If I, yeah, that is that is one where I will make the exception. I agree. And uh, since we're since we're a few men down tonight, we'll go straight into the um, cigar savant segment of the evening. Alan, what you got for us? Well, this week I chose the 1502 Nicaragua, uh, one of the latest additions to the 1502 portfolio is the 1502 Nicaragua, a tribute to founder Enrique Sanchez's home country, Nicaragua, which was discovered by Christopher Columbus in 1502 and thus gives the brand its name. The country where the company's cigars are made and where all 1502 cigars come from. Uh, Released in June of 2014, It's also called the 1502 White Label because of the white band. Now, the construction on this. The 1502 Nicaragua is a Nicaraguan Puro, which means that all of the tobacco in it come from one country, in this case, Nicaragua. It's flawless construction. Again, the tobaccos are from Nicaragua, and it's from the four growing regions of Nicaragua, which are Candega, Esteli, Jalapa, and Amatepe. And like the rest of global premium cigars offerings, it's made its Placencia cigars, S.A., in Esteli, Nicaragua. One of the most interesting features is what Enrique Sanchez calls the cigar lock. And I can only describe it as a small flap of semi-closed tobacco at the foot of the cigar that protects the cigar from peeling and assists you in obtaining a perfect light, which ensures great flavor right out of the box. And Enrique also says it helps with the humidity control. 1502 Nicaragua offered a really nice firm draw with just the right amount of resistance and produces just the perfect amount of a smooth, flavorful smoke. Now, the taste profile, this is a complex smoke highlighting the flavors and earthiness that you'd expect from a Nicaraguan Poro, medium to full-bodied and brimming with flavor. On lighting, the first flavors were of a mildly sweet cedar, followed by spice, uh, muted cocoa, and even freshly chopped walnuts, moving on to an interesting salty nut tone with brandy. There's a creaminess that emerges and a hint of pepper, This is a cigar that just keeps your interest. Now, I know everybody wants to know if this is going to get a Cigar Tipsters by recommendation. And, you know, I first met Enrique Sanchez at a Chattanooga tweet-up several years ago and fell in love with his ruby, emerald, and black gold. And he produces excellent cigars with great skill and quality. And my tip is that I absolutely give the 15-0 cigar a buy. Recommendation, of course. You must try this cigar. 
you will not be disappointed. And for that matter, you're going to need to buy a box to share with your friends. Now, I paired the 1502 Nicaraguan with a dark, rich coffee from Conti Gourmet Coffees from their line, and I enjoyed the Conti Supremo Dark Roast, which is single estate grown, and this made for a really relaxing, uh, contemplative time on the deck. Now, Mark, Kirk, have you guys had the pleasure of smoking the 1502 Nicaragua? Uh, unfortunately not, but it is one that is definitely on my list. Uh, is that the one with the uh, the blue and kind of silverish label? No, that is the white band. Okay. Yeah, I'm confusing it, but I haven't had the Nicaragua yet. Um, <clears throat> but based on experience that I've had with 1502, I, I've never had anything bad come out of his uh, uh, selection there. Yeah, the, the word bad in... 1502 don't go together. True. Kurt, did you have much 1502 yeah. up that way? Actually, I haven't. And I was just going to ask, is this, um, is it kind of common in, in the brick and mortar shops down south? It is. Okay. This one that I'm, I don't see up here, uh, in Minnesota, but it's interesting. I mean, is it, uh, uh, Fairly boutique blend? Is it something that, you know, 1502 doesn't have enough sales guys to travel the whole U.S.? Or It's, you know, 1502 is a boutique blend, and I know that they were being sold by a broker. They actually don't have their own sales yep. reps. But I know that Enrique does a tremendous amount of traveling, so, you know, in Minnesota, you need to start asking for it because you guys are missing it. Well, based on the review you gave, I absolutely need to find this thing. I I want to say Cigar Room in Madison carries them. Uh, next time I get in there, I'll check for you uh, and send you a sample. That way you can, uh, uh, if you like it as much as we do, you can definitely start requesting they uh, hunt it down for you. That'd be great. And, and Alan, what, uh, where does the price point fall on a, on the smoke that you're having? It is about, depending on where you're going to buy it with taxes, anywhere from about a 10 to maybe a $13 cigar. And of course that would depend on the size. Well, in that case, junior, you should probably send me a five or six of them. <laughs> uh, I like it, but not that much. <laughs> Darn. And I oh, believe he a... has a sampler pack that's got the uh, black gold, the blue, uh, the ruby, the white, and he's also come out with a red label. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's the 1502XO, which is just incredible but that won't be in the sampler. Yeah, definitely. XO pricey, but definitely good. Uh, that's uh, one of those treat cigars uh, in my book. Um, but yeah, definitely great stuff coming out of 1502. One interesting thing I saw the other day that there was a, um, a bill that passed the House of Representatives that uh, includes a premium cigar FDA exemption. 
Uh, now, obviously, just passing the House, there's still several steps to go. It's got to make it through the Senate, uh, survive that unscathed, and uh, eventually make it to the president's desk to be signed. But the fact that they actually managed to pass a bill with an exemption for premium cigars, I, I think it's got to be considered a step in the right direction. Oh, or, the fact that, doubt. or the fact that they passed any bill. True. Now, I, I would venture to say that the um, Senate will follow suit, and I'm sure that, um, you know, President Trump will sign it. And then all no, this I, stuff will be behind us. Hopefully, hopefully for good. Uh, the, uh, and I would agree with you, Alan. Uh, I think President Trump would be excited to see any bill cross his desk, um, but especially one that takes power away from a government agency. So hopefully, hopefully he stands by that and he doesn't uh, start to get all the whispers in his ear from the anti-tobacco uh, anti-tobacco folks. I think he has too many advisors that smoke cigars, including family members that he listens to. I would venture to say that, and also more importantly, uh, when you consider the regulations, the money that it's going to save the government and the money that it'll make the government They've got to go for it. Yeah, I agree. I think of of the hurdles that it has to go through, uh, Trump is definitely the smallest one. I think he'll sign it as soon as it hits its desk. So hopefully, like you guys said, that this is the uh, hopefully the final chapter and it'll shut this whole business with the FDA down entirely. You know, we, we tend to harp a lot about FDA stuff, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it tonight, but I definitely thought it bore mentioning and hopefully uh, some of the earlier conversations on our show and many other shows and the CRA and all that stuff has helped uh, to push the situation along. I uh, think it's going to create once this is passed and signed uh, we'll have a mini, little mini boom again because everybody will be back to work. I sure hope so. Yeah, yeah, everybody kind of slowed down with the, you know, not knowing what to do, really. Uh, so this could let everybody very quickly ramp back up. And uh, speaking of, uh, you know, the FDA would have hurt boutique brands probably more so than any. And uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite boutique cigars is the Leaf by Oscar series. Uh, I ran across one... Uh, Gosh, probably two or three days ago. Yeah, it was probably more four or five days ago. Uh, the Leaf by Oscar Maduro Lancero. Uh, now, I've had the regular Leaf by Oscar Maduro. Fantastic. Uh, but I tend to really, really enjoy the Lancero size cigars. Uh, this one, uh, they're putting it together down in Honduras. Uh, the wrapper is Nicaraguan Jalapa. Binder and filler both come out of Honduras. Of course, 7x38 with the Lancero size. Absolutely fantastic cigar. Uh, you know, just a real uh, real bit of earthiness, but just some dark pepper notes. Uh, great spice, but at the same time, really, really smooth. Really enjoyed the cigar. Also reasonably priced. It's about 850 
so it's definitely one that I'm going to add to my regular uh, rotation. And I definitely want to find out uh, if he's got any more in the Lancero size because I really do enjoy those. Uh, and was that with or without the outside wrapper? <laughs> well, you know, I, I was a little confused when I first got my hands on it. Um, uh, but thankfully, I, I didn't make a fool of myself. I did take the uh, the outer wrapper off. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I, I, I did sit there and think, you know, it would be funny if I if I did cut the cigar with it on there. But I just decided to, discretion to be the better part of valor and just took it off. Have you ever seen anyone that uh, didn't really know the proper procedure for the leaf by Oscar and? cut it and light it up? Thankfully not. But I, you know, as, as often as I go into cigar shops, I sit there and think that it's got to happen at some point. Uh, at, at some point that, that newbie is going to walk into that shop, get that cigar, cut a chunk of it off and just go to town. The, the one I see all the time is uh, whenever cigars have a foot wrapper, some like a little piece of, uh, ribbon or something around the foot of the cigar. People light that on fire all the time. Yeah, my yeah, wife has done it. Of course, it was in the dark, and we were on our way up to Charlotte. We started smoking it, and I said, there's something wrong with this cigar. And then we realized she lit the foot band. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that uh, had some unpleasant uh, flavor notes. Now, for those of us that don't know the leaf by Oscar is a cigar that's wrapped in a leaf and banded again. And the idea is that that tobacco leaf helps keep the cigar moist. And that what you're supposed to do is take that band off and unwrap that tobacco leaf. They've got wrapped around it. So you can actually get to the cigar. And, you know, me and me and Senior have had this conversation before. I don't know if the the outer leaf wrapping adds something to the cigar uh, in terms of flavor, but in my mind, it, it makes for a more interesting experience. Well, again, I, I don't know if it really does add any flavor, but I will tell you a, a little story. When we were... Going to Brazil, Marley opens up a purse, and apparently this was the purse she had with her at the IPCPR, and there was a bunch of Leaf by Oscars in there. And I kind of went, I don't know. It's been about six months in that purse. And we took them with us anyway at her insistence, and when I unwrapped it, lit it up, it was phenomenal, moist. It was still terrific. So I think that leaf concept wrapped around it is pretty cool. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Have you uh, tried those up there, uh, Kirk? Yeah, I've had a few of them. I think um, he's got he's got two or three of them now, doesn't he? Well, he's got a whole line of uh, the leaf series, uh, yeah. Corojo, Maduro, I believe there's a Habano I believe possibly I, a Sumatra. Yeah, I've had two, I think two different ones, and I couldn't recall which ones they are, but um, 
Much and, like much like you guys explained, that I I found them very enjoyable, both of them. And he's also got one that's just called the Oscar, and then he's got a line called 2012, uh, which is his five-year anniversary stick that just came out earlier this year. Uh, <laughs> for those uh, who follow the show, uh, you may have heard us talk about uh, Labor Day weekend and uh, the latest edition of what we affectionately refer to as the Woodstock tweet up and this time that coincided with Dragon Con as well. Uh, myself, uh, the cigar savant, his wife and uh, Jerry and Darlene of Trade Day Cigars all descended upon the Friedman household uh, there in Woodstock, Georgia. Uh, when uh, Mr. Garrett from Trade Day arrived, he brought a cooler which we'll talk more about coolers here in just a few minutes, but uh, he brought a cooler stocked with 90 cigars uh, that he brought with him from uh, the Trey J warehouse. Uh, by roughly about noon on Sunday, we had pretty much finished all 90. Uh, now he did take 10 and send to a friend down in Miami, but we went through uh, 80 of them on our own. Oh my gosh! Uh, we were <clears throat> we were rolling hard uh, is one way to say it. Uh, and <laughs> truthfully, even after that, we didn't stop. I, Alan was going deep into his uh, collection to bring us uh, special things to smoke. So we wanted to uh, kind of mention a few of the things that we went through and smoked over that weekend. Um, let me pull up my pictures from that particular day so I can uh, remember some of the names here. Uh, I remember one of the ones we all smoked, and I actually still have another one, was called the Da Vinci, part of the Masterpiece series. Uh, very beautifully presented. Um, I think for the most part of the scars we smoked, that was probably uh, our least favorite of the weekend, but not bad by any means. It was just a little bit uh, on the harsh side. Uh, one that I particularly enjoyed of the ones that we went through uh, was by, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, but Le Grand Lave. Uh, it was the Reserve Number E560. Uh, very strong cigar, but excellent, excellent cigar. Uh, definitely uh, would enjoy getting my hands on that one again. And I believe, if I remember That's correctly, one you that company have after a nice dinner. Yeah, for sure. It was. Uh, I think That's we not pulled a breakfast that cigar. Yeah, we pulled that out uh, just before lunch, and we, we all kind of agreed that it, it needed to be a later-in-the-day cigar, but definitely uh, full flavor describes it well. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. We had a couple. Um, we had the H. Upman signature that was great. Uh, let's see here. Now, Jerry had his first... 1502 XO. Oh, yes, he did. I uh, broke one out for him. And I particularly enjoyed the uh, the La Aurora Ruby that you gave me, and I know you gave uh, Jerry another La Aurora stick as well. Those two were uh, just absolutely fantastic. And uh, it really, of everything, uh, it's so hard Levine to keep track with smoking so the Ruby from uh, uh, Rocky Patel, which is made by uh, Drew Estate. Mm -hmm. Was that the yeah. cherry flavor? 
Yeah, she uh, that new Java, uh, Java Red Label uh, with the cherry. I I took a sniff of uh, or better terminology would be a cold draw off that one. Uh, it reminded me a, a little bit of the smell of like a jar of maraschino cherries. Uh, definitely not something that uh, I didn't actually smoke one, but it, definitely not something I would necessarily consider in my wheelhouse, but uh, they definitely, you know, filled the air with a nice aroma. Uh, I know no, I, tr- I tried one and uh, you know, as far as flavored cigars goes, I'm sure it was fine. But again, that's not my typical cigar to smoke. Yeah, I will. I will smoke a Java once in a blue moon, uh, just the standard uh, Java or the tobacco special. If you want the uh, the Drew Estate uh, Vitola version, uh, but yeah, flavored cigars just aren't really my wheelhouse, so I don't, you know, go after them. Uh, shout out to Darlene Garrett who made a very very cool cake. Uh, for the Cigar Savant's birthday. Not one uh, cake, two cakes. Yeah, two cakes, and you can find pictures of this on Instagram and Twitter. One was uh, a Invictus box. Mm-hmm. No, not the Invictus box, the Trey J box. Yeah, the one of the with the little Vicarious watch label on there. Right. Uh, the second portion was an ashtray, uh, very beautifully done, and then the... Uh, Candy cigars. Uh, again, pictures of all these Instagram, Twitter at Cigar Tipster. Mark, why don't <laughs> you relate the story of the candy cigars, the chocolate cigars? Yeah, that that was where I was about to go with that. Um, Darlene had brought them into the house. She had pre-made them before they came down from Ohio, and we are we looked at them. Uh, she had a few that she didn't use, so we tried them. You know, excellent taste, by the way. Uh, and she put the rest of them in the refrigerator in some Tupperware, you know, to keep them cool until, cause it was like another three days before we did the birthday party. Uh, so the, the next morning, I believe this was Thursday morning at breakfast, we're all sitting around the table, uh, bagels and, and things of that nature. Alan comes down, uh, and he's, uh, you know, preparing his lunch cause he had to work to that that particular day and getting ready to uh, fry up some breakfast for himself and those kinds of things. And uh, we kind of noticed him going through various uh, items in the fridge, uh, you know, as he was looking for various things to take for lunch and things of that nature. Well, he grabs the Tupperware that happens to have the scars in it. Uh, Darlene attempts to catch him, but it, it all happened very, very quickly. He removes the lid, looks at the cigars has a what I would describe as a dumbfounded look on his face and kind of turns around and says, what the hell? Why are there cigars in the fridge? <laughs> and uh, Darlene is like, they're candy, they're candy, you know, they're for the cake. But yeah, there was, we, we were about two steps away from uh, Cigar 101 uh, right there at the breakfast table. <laughs> I mean, I was about to go ballistic with, with what dumbass put cigars in the refrigerator. Ah, uh, yes. That's awesome. They, that, that, they, they just... look so real. The bands on them that she did were just perfect. So I really thought they were cigars. Yeah, it is a true testament to her, her baking skills. Uh, she, she fooled the cigar savant. 
and yeah, they were uh, and very tasty too. I might add, I, I stole a few of them for the road uh, when I headed out, but uh, very good. Again, check out the Cigar Tipster Twitter and Instagram, and you'll see pictures of the cake and the cigars. Uh, pretty much everything you see in that picture edible uh, and incredible uh, cakes. I mean, just and to her credit, you know, it was like a three day spread out deal. Uh, it was like iron chef in that kitchen the whole weekend. Yeah, we had some good steaks some good chicken. Hey, Mark, you're an excellent cook, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We, we all sort of chicken enchiladas that are better than any I've had in any Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we had some. Uh, everybody kind of took their hand in the kitchen that weekend. Uh, uh, Marley uh, Allen's wife, excellent cook. Uh, Darlene made a, a chicken casserole. I had the chicken enchiladas. Uh, even Jerry made some sandwiches. Uh, so yeah, we were we were all sharing the uh, the kitchen duty. Uh, and. One thing I mentioned when we first started talking about Woodstock was uh, the cooler that Jerry brought down with the Humipack in it. And that got me thinking about the subject of the sort of DIY do-it-yourself humidors. Uh, do you like them? Do you not like them? If you've got them, what kind are you using? You know, are you breaking out the Ziplocs, the Tupperware? Uh, tell, tell me some of what you guys are using for cigar storage. I can I can jump in a little bit. Um, so, so I feel like I've probably heard it all, uh, even back to the refrigerator comment, uh, Alan, that you mentioned, you know, it got, it got me laughing a little bit just because of how many customers would come into the cigar shop saying that they, they keep their cigars in the fridge next to, uh, all sorts of things, sometimes chopped up apples and whatever else they'd heard from their great grandpa back in the fifties, probably. So, um, regarding, creative humidors solutions. Uh, my father-in-law has been using a large Tupperware for probably 15 years. I think it's the same one. And uh, he swears by it. I think it looks, uh, it looks hokey. Um, and I've had cigars out of it that uh, I guess I would say they perform just fine. But I, personally speaking, I do think um, some class points uh, with, with that. Uh, in a pinch, of course, a cooler or a Tupperware would work great if you're going on a fishing trip or, uh, you know, making a trip down from Ohio with 90 cigars. Not many of us have a travel humidor that could hold that many. So, I mean, it's, it is an option, and I think there's nothing wrong with it other than class points. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it for a large amount for traveling. I do know that a lot of reps and salespeople, um, you know, even manufacturers travel with a, a large Tupperware or, you know, the type of container that we're talking about that they'll use as a humidor. Uh, you know, personally, I don't, I don't like to use it. You've got to remember one thing about a, a humidor is that it's got Spanish cedar in it. And that Spanish cedar serves a purpose. You know, it, it helps regulate the humidity, and it helps impart a little bit of flavor into the cigar. 
It helps the cigars age. True, and I've got uh, a couple. Every year when they had the Chattanooga tweet-ups, they would uh, give out the bags made by Bovida, which are basically large, kind of extra-large, heavy-duty, you know, thicker than normal Ziploc bags that you can put a Bovida pack down in uh, and store cigars. And a lot of times, you know, if I've got a surplus, I, I don't have any problem using that bag. Uh, now, <clears throat> my standard storage is kind of, uh, I've got a couple of, actually all my humidors are travel humidors now that I think about it. Uh, I've got several different sizes, like the five counts and then the 50 counts. But yeah, I mean, bags, coolers, all that stuff can work just fine for humidors. You know, if you're going to use that kind of stuff on a, a regular basis, though, the one thing I would say is let, let them air out from time to time uh, because a lot of those seal very, very well. So you don't want to let the air get stagnant in there. Have you guys seen, uh, I got two little things to add here. Have, first is a question. Have you guys seen the, they, they call them wine adores, like wine, the beverage. And what it is, is it's, it's those small refrigerators that uh, are, you know, easy to control the temperature as though you're storing wine in them, but they're airtight enough. They have fans for air movement and people use those for humidors all the time. Uh, they do it by just adding pieces of cedar that they get out of cigar boxes that they buy. Uh, and then they throw in some sort of humidification system. Have you guys seen that at all? I have not. Yeah. It's, I have to look into it. You know, Alan, they're actually really neat um, in terms of a cool way to display your cigars. Cause they all have a glass door on them with, and I believe some of them have lighting. So you get kind of that, I don't know, pretty neat look to it. Um, and they already come with shelves inside. So, you know, plenty of space in there and so for the i, I want to say maybe 150 or 200 dollars you've got the ability to store probably a thousand cigars maybe not that many 500 cigars that's so pretty nice yeah, does I've it refrigerate seen... them or so yep you can um i mean you don't have to but I, I think you can choose the temperature so you can just set that temperature to 70 degrees uh and then humidify so it's a perfect 70 all the time yeah, I've seen the the wine version, and there's actually a few companies basically taking the same concept but actually making humidors out of it that already come pre-lined with the uh, Spanish cedar Spanish cedar shelving. Uh, Senior's actually got one, and it's got the temperature control where you can set it like you know 68 or 70, and it'll keep it there. Uh, and he kept the uh, basically just uh, one uh, humidipack per shelf, and that put a hydrometer in there just to keep an eye on everything. Then it stayed uh, between 68 and 70% humidity and basically between 68 and 70 temperature wise all the time. Oh, I definitely have to look into this. Well, that's hugely yeah. important too, Mark, where you guys are in Alabama where it's probably hotter than most States. And, uh, you know, certainly you got your fair share of humidity. So a nice climate controlled humidor could go a long way. Yeah, it definitely helps, and I think his would hold, his was the smaller model, it would hold about, I'd say a max of about 250 cigars, but that's, I mean, that's more than the average person probably has on hand, or the average uh, cigar smoker. Yeah, that'll get us through a week. Yeah, <laughs> that'll get us through uh, uh, maybe a, a six-day tweet-up over in Woodstock there. 
So the which not we to will take have too, to do again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And by the sounds of it, I might need to to head south. But the not to take too much time on it. The uh, the other thing I was going to ask you too is I've got a a humidor project I've been working on for over a year now. Uh, it's a 1940s refrigerator that I've taken down to the to the nothing. I've taken all the rust off it. I'm going to throw some new paint on it. And now I'm getting to the point where I have to make the decision. Do I want to line it with Spanish cedar, as we've discussed, or do I just leave it as the ceramic inside that's, that's in there? Um, but either way, it's, it will be a, um, an airtight box and I will keep it in a climate controlled area, such as my basement. And uh, I'll have more, more cigar stores than I know what to do with. But the big question is, do I take the time to line it with cedar or not? I would. I mean, if you've gone to that much trouble to restore it, you know, go the extra step and put in the cedar lining. Yeah. Make sure it's Spanish cedar, not regular cedar. Yeah, because the the regular cedar will. uh, It'll keep the moths out, but it won't won't do good for your cigar. Yeah. Because I, many years ago, I had the idea, we've got an old cedar chest, and I thought about turning it into a humidor, but it, uh, uh, the more I researched it, the more I realized that it wouldn't actually work uh, like I was intending it to. Uh, one final story before we start wrapping up tonight, I saw that the uh, lovely New York City mayor has signed some laws that's going to raise cigar prices. Uh, all in the name of taxes and additional money for the government. Now, obviously, uh, I, I think all three of us are going to be kind of anti this particular subject. And, and again, I think it goes back to, especially given New York City's history and uh, what their people in power have done in the past. You know, it, it's a little bit of a, just a little bit more of a big brother type scenario where it's like, okay, how many, can we make these things expensive enough that you won't want to smoke them anymore and, and things of that nature. But uh, do you guys have anything like this going on in your areas and what's your opinion on what they've done up in, in New York city? Well, thank God we don't have it going on here, but in, in New York, I think it's got absolutely nothing to do with revenue. It's exactly what you just said. It's let's make it so expensive People just won't do it. And the reality is, is they're going to go, you know, across the river, you know, to to New Jersey, you know, or they'll go to one of the other states or they're going to buy them online. So Mm -hmm. the people they actually end up hurting, you know, is the small mom and pop business people. I agree, Alan. We've got a city here. It's a suburb of Minneapolis, and they raise the smoking age to 21 inside the city limits, uh, or the age to, to buy to 21. And it has done absolutely nothing to discourage a single smoker, uh, cigar or other, because exactly the reason you said. Now they just have to, they're inconvenienced, they have to drive five minutes to the nearby city and buy them there. And all of the small store owners, all of the gas stations and tobacco shops are suffering and for, for no reason at all. Have you guys ever heard the story about J.R. Cigar and Lou Rothman and why he left New York? No. You know, initially, J.R. Cigars 
was a local Manhattan business, uh, very small, very local. He, his family had a cigar shop, uh, and he actually used to create on mimeograph, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who don't even know what a mimeograph is, but we'll just say it's an older version of a photocopier. And he would basically make his catalog and go around to the office buildings, drop them off, pick them up, and then deliver. And his business was turning into a fairly large, uh, very good revenue-producing business, and I mean revenue-producing for the state. And they went and raised the tobacco taxes, and he, or they were going to, and he basically told them, you do this, I'm leaving. And they went ahead and raised it anyway, and the next day, he was on a plane to Washington, walked up and down the halls of the Congress and Senate, and in North Carolina, he got them to work a deal that they would, he'd move his whole business there and put all these people to work and provide all this revenue to them, and they wouldn't raise tobacco taxes for, I think it was 99 years. Wow. It took one day and he that's moved. Awesome. That's awesome. And that's, and that's how, that's how you get through to government, honestly. I mean, and uh, I'm almost positive. It was Jesse Helms that he worked the deal with. Yeah. It, it's always good. To, I love stories like that. It's hard to <laughs> yeah, where they kind of stick it to the man. Yeah, no, that's okay, Alan. I, I was just going to say that, uh, <clears throat> you know, politicians don't listen uh, to words. They don't listen to threats. But when companies uh, pack up and leave or when families pack up and leave, they start to notice. And um, it sucks because I'm sure that he probably did not want to leave. Um, just like I don't want to leave Minnesota. But at some point, I mean, that's the only way you can do anything about it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it'll definitely uh, be interesting to see if there's there's any backlash to this as it goes on. If you anybody on the uh, listening audience uh, happens to be uh, in the Tennessee Valley area, October the 18th, Nick Perdomo is going to be uh, at the Cigar Room in Madison, Alabama for a Perdomo Cigars event. Uh, so you happen to be uh, anywhere near us there, uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, do you guys have any uh, particular events you'd like to plug going on over there? Well, in Atlanta, right now, there are so many cigar events going on. I don't even want to mention them because I know I'm going to leave somebody out, and a lot of them are on the same day, you got two and three and four events going on. So we'll just leave it. If you're interested, check people's websites. Yeah. Atlanta has so many cigar shops. And like Alan said, there's kind of in so many areas they are stacked on top of each other. So you're never, 
uh, at least in the times that I've been over there, you're kind of never without a some kind of cigar shop or cigar event to go to. And I've I've been slacking with uh, with the birth of my newest. I've not been checking for events lately, so I uh, I'm not aware of any in the Minneapolis area. But I would say it's probably similar. We've we've surely have a handful going on at any time. All right, and if you uh, any. Uh reps out there or cigar shops would like us to plug their events on the show just send them over to us on twitter or facebook at cigar tipster and we'll be happy to uh throw them out on the air for you uh anybody got anything they want to close on before we head out for tonight junior how do people find us on uh facebook facebook.com forward slash cigar tipster uh we've been getting pretty good about updating regularly there uh, also on Instagram, uh, Instagram.com forward slash Cigar Tipster as well. Uh, we tend to be very active on there. <clears throat> Twitter. Twitter is, yeah, Twitter is the same, at Cigar Tipster. Uh, lucky enough to have them uh, branded the same across all three. And, of course, the old-fashioned uh, at uh, www.cigartipsters.com. Uh, we've got a blog up there. Ben is really good about uh posting stories and reviews of what he's doing at the time. Uh, you'll also find links to the podcast there on the page. Uh, if you're an Apple guy, of course, we're on iTunes. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, which is available on both iOS and Android. And, of course, uh, I prefer Pocket Cast. That's my favorite podcasting app. Uh, if you like them, just search Cigar Tipster, and we'll pop right up there for you. And if you give us a subscription, they'll send you a little notification and let you know when the new episodes get uploaded. Excellent. Oops. The microphone. All right. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, if you've got any ideas uh, for show topics or cigars that you'd like us to review, just let us know on social media and we'll see what we can do about it. And with that said, uh, thank you. This has been the Cigar Tipsers Podcast. Good night. Good night. Good night.